signifies another kickoff of two hours of stimulating intellectual discussion here at the Radio Ranch, Roger Sales, People's Patriot Network, our platform, and it's really all about your freedom and my sanity. Uh, those two things may correlate <laughs> real strongly. Uh, that's what we're about. We'll kick off another week here and looking back over last week. Last week, just about every show, well, every show we did all week was great, and uh, uh, it was four days of going back over these basics of what we're really here about, your freedom and my sanity, and you learn more. And believe it or not, I learn more even after 28 years. Still wrinkles and things that I'd never put together come to me, and I hope that's happening to you too. So we'll get started. It's the 20th of July, 2020, and uh, uh, what was it? Gosh, it's, uh, a number of years ago, my mother birthed me into this world on this day and uh, it's always a special day i remember in the 90s vince foster was killed today he was killed on july 20th and as i look at all this historical things july 20th will pop up every now and then but uh so happy birthday to me and i think things are uh you know, as bleak as they look, I, I I feel very positive about what's happening. I'm super positive about what we do here and uh, the fact that we can collectively achieve our freedom and maybe even hopefully spread it. Who knows? Uh, Eleven's joined us. Don't know who Eleven is, but uh, welcome aboard. Got anything to say? Or are you just getting in on the show and as we go forward, etc. Eleven. Eleven doesn't want to talk. So. No. Happy birthday, Roger. It's Bob in Colorado. Hey, Bob. Well, thank you very much. Um, so, you know, a number of years ago, I heard somebody talking about this. I kind of geared it to myself and uh, uh, personally because they said there's two days generally that people really recognize. And one's your birthday and the other is like New Year's. And people have such a tendency to make all these New Year's resolutions that you know, in some cases don't last 12 hours, right? And uh, he said, instead of going through that foolishness, I kind of shifted the all of the things you do at New Year traditionally over to my birthday. And then that makes it a little bit more special as it's a, a line of, a, well, achievement or failure or whatever you've been through in the last year. But uh, I, I did that a number of years ago, so it puts a little more positive emphasis on the day. Um so we'll yeah, and uh, um, Roger, really, you shouldn't celebrate the day and you should mourn it because that's when you got your birth certificate and they stole nine months of your life when you were in your mother's womb. So you should really celebrate nine months prior to your born day, birthday, creation day. Why do they make such a big deal out of it? Yeah, you know, that's so a whole... Fishy. That's probably a whole a whole show right there in a mouthful. I got something I'm going to add to it here yeah. in a minute. Uh, a lot of things to talk about. A lot of happening things. There was a 
I noticed this morning when I got up, there was a uh, a judge's son and the and her husband got shot in New Jersey with a home invader last night. She happened to be involved in the Jeffrey Epstein and a Deutsche Bank case. Hmm. He was a big attorney there in New Jersey. They lived in, I guess, northern New Jersey. Uh, and uh, he was wounded, but they killed their son. It was a FedEx driver. Came up, got inside the house, and it was an obvious assassination attempt. Uh, that's interesting. Um, all kinds of interesting stuff's coming out. New story about another one of these uh, royals involved with Epstein, heavily involved with Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, who married the guy that's the heir to one of the big brewing fortunes, Guinness, I think. Hey, Mr. Just Chris, welcome to the Monday edition. Well, thank you very much. I had looked at that story on the so-called uh, federal judge Solace, the Obama appointee. And first, Hispanic, the- first Hispanic judge appointed to the bench, and she was appointed by Obama. But she seemed, you know, who, uh, who knows? We'll We'll see about her solidness as we go forward i'm sure she's a wreck today i have a strong inspiration that rather than coincidentally being in the basement she was probably hiding cowering down there like the obamaites would normally do maybe maybe there's a uh, this other thing with this duchess heiress that married into the guinness beer fortune over in england is coming out and uh, of course she was the head of some Help, let's help the children foundation or on their committee or something. And here she's involved in child trafficking. All that continues to come to the surface. Just Lane Maxwell, you heard what happened to her, right? Chris? Uh, maybe not. They, de- they denied bail. They denied oh, yeah, well, bail that's... for her last Friday and set the trial date for July of next year. So Jis Lane's got to spend a year in the slammer waiting for this thing. I'd say her odds went down considerably. They, uh, uh, they, and in this, with her attorneys trying to get her out on bond, a lot of her financial stuff evidently came out with connections right back to the Rothschilds, all kinds of accounts, all this money shifting from Epstein's estate and all this stuff. It's getting real juicy, okay? Uh, so that, that's happening there. Listen to a couple of startling videos, uh, uh, that were interviews over the weekend. I listened to a lot of stuff on the weekend. Don't do too much except that. And boy, you get them all blurred, you know, but I, I do want to, I'm sure he'll join us here at some point. Uh, Daryl sent out one. He said, listen to this. Well, there was a bunch of videos on that page and I started listening to probably the wrong one. And I was enthralled with it. I'll stick it on the end of uh, today's show description. I believe it's aim, aim for Truth or something. I can go hunt it up in a minute. A uh, lot of very interesting information coming off that that I was not privy to. Some confirmed what I what I already knew. Uh, and one of them was very interesting. And it revolved around the Reese Commission. You know, the commission that looked into the great foundations back in the 30s or whenever it was uh, last century. Yes, I do. And uh, the, the uh, video w- revolved around Dean Rusk. You may remember he was the Secretary of State. I particularly remember him because he was a Georgian. He's got a whole – He when he retired from all this, he went over there and indoctrinated him at the University of Georgia uh, for a while. And um, 
uh, seemed like a good old boy on top, but it turns out he was a Rhodes Scholar and a damn good one because he pursued everything they poured into his little brain. But it, it, the uh, the tidbit that I got out of this was just, just one of those things you pick up, you know, and all of a sudden it reconfirms what you knew or gives you a little more insight. But it said when the Reese Commission was looking into these foundations that they went and asked them, you know, to come back and, and, and participate in this committee. Well, I guess they had to, you know. And uh, they said that the Rockefeller Foundation came back after it was over and said, can we have the right to edit anything that was said about the Rockefeller Foundation in the hearings? And Reese said no. Okay. So what's in that straight poop? They would have liked to have gotten their hands on it. But he mentioned how uh, arrogant the foundations were when they were dealing with them. And to the, you know, I mean, this chutzpah stuff, all right? And, but the tidbit that came out is he said they told them that the biggest prize, the, the most prize uh, uh, institution that they had their hands on was the Department of State for the control of the American people and media. And, of course, then that buttressed what I read. I believe it's in Eustace Mullins' Secrets of the Federal Reserve. Uh, I read all that stuff so many years ago. and uh, But in the book, it's saying that when they took over and got control of the Federal Reserve, the very first office they went after was Department of State. And I remember reading that 27 years or so ago or something, and it, it hit me. Well, why would they go after the Department of State? That deals with foreign countries. They've taken over the country. Well, now, of course, we know is because the mechanism for this voluntary servitude condition that we're in is in the Department of State. Um, speaking of that, Chris and audience, uh, Kay sent me a email last night, and it's just too interesting the coincidence on this that she had found evidently it's a book that murray rothbard and those folks over there at the austrian kind of school of economic thinking had republished a while back because after i did not listen to what k because it's an audio book and but i was prowling around last night over on corbett report and there was him and another guy talking about the same book in one of the episodes, and I dialed that up and watched it. The background on this is super interesting, okay? And the uh, bit shoot, as this is on bit shoot, the one that Kay sent, it's a reading, an audio reading of the book. It's about an hour long. You're going to love this, Chris. It was written in 1577. The Politics of Obedience, A Discourse on Voluntary Servitude. How apropos. So uh, quite interesting on the Corbett Report, uh, about 40 minutes long interview with a guy I wasn't familiar with, good conservative young man. Um, they pulled excerpts out of the book and were reading it about, and it's just, this guy was writing in 1577 everything that we talk about right here. <laughs> and I can't wait to get to hear it a little more in depth. And, uh, but it's uh, a wonderful resource. I'll stick it at the end of the show description today, of course. But it's called, uh, and the uh, Debute is uh, in Etienne de la Butte. 
that almost sounds pornographic. Uh, and uh, it was written in 1577, and it's quite interesting. We'll probably get into it and talk about it a little bit more, see if there's any things he says in there that uh, are poignant enough to discuss. You can see them all around about the obedience and how, just like in Rothschild's letter in the 1800s when he wrote, he wrote the people that are affected by the system will be protective of it, basically, because it serves their self-interests. That's exactly the way it's set up, as we painfully learn. Uh, let's see what else was on the top of my list to at least touch on here as we get started. Uh, uh, there was uh, several really good videos on that page Daryl sent. Uh, one of them was with a guy, the one at the top, that I missed and caught listening to second. I spent almost all day Saturday listening to this page. And... Uh, the uh, second one was with a guy that invented, just like, remember the Promise software we've been talking about lately, Chris and gang? Uh, this guy wrote the, the pioneering software for social networking, and they stole it. Case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they protected him. He goes into how they've got the system set up. When they file a patent, anybody files a patent in the patent office in the U.S., it goes to Britain first. He goes into a lot of detail on that. It's an extremely interesting hour-long interview. Uh, so those kind of the high points, high points I had. Um, we got a couple of people have joined us. HB joined us. Um, looks like we've got another area code, I'll tell you. The writing's so small, I can't uh, see it. To your point about all the patents going to Britain first. His point. Uh, since... Uh, since we're kind of a colony of Britain, as I uh, understand, since uh, at least 33, if not before, it's not unnoticed by some of us out here that the patent office has been well noted for hijacking technology oh. and uh, things they didn't want out in the public well, eye and claim jumping. You know, I don't know when it was, maybe two years ago, there was a video stumbled on of a guy down in South Florida. I don't remember what he did, but he was an inventor. And he had invented this uh, paint that would make boats and stuff stealth. Okay? And they stole that, and he caught them selling it to an Italian industrial complex company over there, big Italian military advisor for $5 billion. So they stole it from him and at least sold it to one client for $5 billion. So that's the kind of crap that's going on. You know, uh, and th there's a lot of that in that video. It's quite interesting if you're if that tweaks you in any way. Um, let's see. I uh, had an exchange with Harvey over the weekend and he was having some tooth problems. I hope those have gotten better for our buddy and a lot of other stuff. Uh, one of the things I was looking for something the other day, you know, I've had a couple of har uh, computers go down and switched hard drives and all this stuff over the last couple of years. And my uh, administrative bookkeeping skills are not quite what they should be over in the folders department. So I've, some of that stuff's been misplaced, and I got to go look for it. You know, it did not write at my fingertips. Uh, but I did find what I was looking for, and I thought I'd play it because it certainly has something to do with what we do here. And I want you guys to listen real closely. You know, every time you hear something, you hear something different in it if it's poignant stuff and that was this way for me uh, it's not it's a couple 
couple minutes long. I think you'll be thoroughly entertained here. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. What'd you catch out of there that was new? Anybody? It's a very, very poignant uh, soliloquy. And the fact that we live in a prison of the mind, a panopticon that you can't see, hear, touch, or taste, does not go uncognized by some of us that are awake and taking a bottle full of red pills. Well, I'll tell you what's struck me when I listened to that again yesterday after not listening to it for years. You are born into it. Now, whoever wrote... Question. Yes? Now, when you say red pill, that's exactly what you're saying. You're referring to that movie. Is that is that where the red pill originated or did they copy it from somewhere else? no I, I it's the first time i remember seeing if my memory's right was uh was the matrix years ago 
Um, but it's become the standard. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's become the standard of. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I just want to say, I mean, you know all about Vince Foster and and the fact that Trump supported Kavanaugh, and you still believe in the voting system. No, I, no, I no, now Charlie, hold on. I've never said I believed in the voting system. I'm outside of it, and I make that real clear that it doesn't really affect us, but it is of great interest to us. So don't go putting words in my mouth, man. I mean, if you've listened as much as you said you've had, and that's what you've taken away, then you haven't been listening real close, bro. No, no, I thought about this for 30 minutes, how to say this in a kind, polite way. I'm not a really bad communicator. Talk right into the phone, Charlie, because your connection's real weak. I want everybody to hear what you got to say. To Charlie's point... It was said by, I forget who said it, but it was somebody noteworthy, that if voting really changed anything, they wouldn't let us do it. And I think that's very apropos. I have discerned, not to be confused with the uh, Shiva project, that it's really a proxy vote that when you sign up to vote, as opposed to being a qualified elector, you're giving your so-called representative parties of sin your proxy to use your vote any way they want to do it. I think Traficant's description of it was probably the most appropriate. Charlie, I've played that video. You know what? I may have it right here. I'll just play it again if I can find it. Uh, but Traficant gets right up there and says we're, uh, we're trustees overseeing the biggest bankruptcy in the history of the world. That's in the congressional record. Okay? So... Listen, I don't mind. I don't mind criticism, but uh, just because I'm a little more optimistic than you are, I don't think that's quite fair. I'm pretty explicit about what I say here on the program. No, I, I don't. I, I'm not trying. I mean, you're closer than any other friend I have. You know, I don't have anybody that agrees with me. So you know, you're not the only one. <laughs> okay, well, we feel good then about that. Yeah, it's a it's a topsy turvy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, I've spent five years in federal court fighting, trying to use their um, their codes, the um, Uniform Commercial Code and all those. No, it, that's a, that's, you might as well go try and urinate up a rope. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I've, I've come to believe. The only thing important is the Bill of Rights, and it's superior because of the Ninth Amendment, and that's all I use in court. I don't even well, mention it. Well, I, I don't go to know anything well, else. Well, Charlie, have you have you filed in? I'm not as I'm 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 not as smart as you are, you know. And ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the people aren't, and that's the beauty of the Bill of Rights. A, a simple third grader can understand it. And that's all you got to have. That's well, that's all the freedom you have is the complete list. Well, that's correct. I mean, in their system, if you want to fight them face-to-face, you've got to file that paperwork with the Secretary of State. That levels the playing field, and then you can drag out all those clubs in the bag of the Bill of Rights. OK, 
Okay. But until that happens, this is my understanding. I don't, nobody's proved me wrong. Uh, is until they get something at that specific office, you're considered under the scope and purview of the 14th amendment. And that's about as much access as you've got to that document. Okay. And but I don't, I don't give them, I don't give them even that much authority. Okay. Well, I know people, Hey, let Brent was like that. The Ninth Amendment says the, the Ninth Amendment says the Fourteenth Amendment cannot exist. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Until you do what I just said, you're never going to beat them, and you're going to continue to go through that frustration. So you can either recognize that, or you can stand on this. I'm born this way, and you can't do that to me because evidently they can. You've been governed by administrative agencies all your life. You've got all the licenses that they required. Every time they've ever asked you in any kind of legal document, are you under the scope and purview of the Fourteenth Amendment, even though? you didn't understand it you answered yes and gave them your consent well I, I mean i don't understand how you can say the other no i'm saying that i have been successful in court just sticking strictly with the bill of rights i've never had anybody deny that it's a period or anything else See, they're going to give well, you i mean if that's all you're fighting for is those those 10 sentences nobody's taking away from you now if you're going for something more then, yeah, you need all the stuff you're talking about. Okay, all well, I want is the ten simple sentences. Okay, well, if you've won on that in court and had them at bay with that, then God bless you, and everybody ought to start using it because in the 28 years I've been in this, I've never seen anything like that work. So good on you, Charlie. Yeah, it works in, it works in the tax court. It works traffic court, everything. It works, but you got to not – deviate you got to stick by those exact things do i have the right to a fair trial <laughs> you know well, okay you know it's exactly it, it's everybody's choice on the way they want to approach this the what i proffer here is what i found to be the easiest and the course of least resistance and if you want to go into those scenarios and fight them in their courts and all that stuff most people will will regret that no, i would saying. say I'm, I'm saying, you know, it depends on what you're – if you're wanting more than those, that's the minimum. That's the line in the sand. If you want something more than those ten items, then, yeah, you need to you need to be smarter. Okay. So, Chris, did you have a good weekend? Oh, Chris must be taking care of the dog. Let's see. What else did we want to cover? Because I don't want to get off into that with you, Charlie. You're argumentative. And, you know, I, 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 what I wanted to tell Mike on here last week was this. Uh, the mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. So I don't mind discussing these issues. I don't, I don't understand how I'm I'm being argumentative. Well, you come on here last week and blast me. You blast me because I talk about President Trump, and and you've kind of taken that attitude. I mean, I'm not being critical. It's all right if you want to be that way. I'm just commenting on it. Well, no, I'm just saying you know about Vince Foster, and that's. I mean, I heard that this morning. I'm well, like, yeah, I damn, that's just you know the final straw. But you know he put Kavanaugh in office. Well, I know that he had. I know that he had something to do with that all those years ago, twenty-five years ago. What I mentioned and specifically mentioned was that he was killed on my birthday. 
Not that I knew the whole background of the whole thing. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. So, like I said, maybe you need to listen a little closer. Yes, sir. I, I misunderstood. Okay. So, uh, Chris, did you get back? You didn't get back I'm yet. traveling right now to ah. care of some stuff that I'm listening in. Okay. Well, I'm trying to, to think. To the rescue. To, to the rescue. Uh, well, I mean, look, I don't want to get contentious on, on the show. You know, the show's here to try and help people understand how they've been frauded into voluntary servitude. And I think one thing that's really important, mentioned it the other day, is something Tom Schramm, my buddy Tom Schramm, who we hadn't heard from in a while, See, he was on the air one day, as he used to be more often, and he said, fraud isn't fraud until it's discovered. I've never seen that in any court case. I'd never heard anybody else come up with it. And it just struck me because it's incredibly profound. Okay? Fraud yeah, isn't. I've had this discussion with. Go ahead. I've had this discussion with Brent Winters a long time, and I've had it with Ron Paul and and. You know, I ask him a simple question: Is can the Bill of Rights ever be changed? And I never thought about it that way. Both of them said that. When they they can't change anything. If they could change anything, they'd change it. They never change it. They veneer something over it and take over and hijack it. Yeah, the Bill of Rights is is special. It's a separate document. It's can never be changed because of the Ninth Amendment. It's not it's not that it can't be changed. It's not Charlie, it's not that the documents change. Your access Go ahead. Whenever you show me that it's been it hadn't been changed since nope. December fifteenth, seventeen ninety Seventeen ninety one. It hasn't. I, I don't I don't disagree with you one bit, man. What's changed is your access to it, and you can't seem to get that. People on your stance ha can't seem to get that through their head. So I but that's not my problem. Okay. That's your problem. Right. I mean, if you don't stand up for it, it's not self. It doesn't enforce itself. You have to stand up for it. So, uh, I mean, it's very simple. If you've ever, cons since they've got the presumption fraud in effect from birth, if you've agreed with it your whole life, and now all of a sudden you stand up and say, no, I don't agree with what I've told you my whole life. They've had your consent. I know you don't want to recognize their system, but their system's operable. Sorry. It's just like Daryl. Daryl joined us when he was a pilot. If he, if he had something wrong with the plane and it was going to crash, he had to recognize gravity. Gravity took over. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pilot also. So well, I, I mean, so I'm not, I'm just trying. Listen, I, I, I understand. I appreciate, and I appreciate, God damn. Daryl? Hello? Yeah. Yeah, hello. We got a problem in that your your device isn't, as, isn't very fidelity, and then we got a lag trying to talk in, a, in somewhat of a discussion, so it's frustrating. Sorry for it. 
that I appreciate people. And uh, Brent, what Brent had your position too when we first started doing these shows. Daryl, how many years did it take us to drag Brent over that? Three, four, working together on him, oh, two I or was... three uh, on a show on him, on one at at points. I, I'd say it was probably right at around four. Um, it was it was with kindness, love, and restraint. <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh and i i i actually understood why he he had that position and because uh you know we we share some similarities a few uh one of them is that we're stubborn farm boys yep and uh you know that that stubbornness can work for you and it can also work against you sometimes and uh i uh i don't know I, at some point i i mean i like to wrestle with the details but at some point i don't uh i have to i have to quit uh, sweating the uh the uh oh, you know fighting over the uh fighting over details that uh majoring on the at, minors at some point, majoring on the yeah, minors yeah, well I mean, I, I'm all. It's all well and well and good in a in a situation where uh, you have the time and the space to do it, I guess. Um, but uh, you know, if you just if you just want to if you just want to argue, uh, don't want to argue. The, uh, at, at sometimes, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I I mean. Um, at the at the end of the day, this is uh, one of these things where there's a lot of people out here in all kinds of different uh, I don't know you could say religions and even uh, uh, disciplines and, uh, and and we all have a common we all have a common uh, adversary here and uh, we uh, we we can't we can't seem to get on the same page. That doesn't mean we have to agree on every single detail, <laughs> but we do have to kind of get on the same page. And I, I sort of look at things as if if it if it doesn't fundamentally help uh, the the horsepower, then uh, I, I tend to just sort of step away from certain things because I the older I get, the less time I have. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> What, what it is is things, and, uh, the older you get, the more things shift into a real yeah. priority. Yeah, hey, I'll, I, yeah. Hi, Charlie. Hey, bud. Hey, can, I'm scared of the FAA, but would you ask them to drop the, the wearing an ankle bracelet in a, certain areas of the country so we oh. can open up some airspace? Well, I I would uh, I would uh, just refer Charlie. I would just refer to what we always understood is that uh, the FAA isn't happy until you're not happy. And uh, oh, I hadn't been happy for since I was born. Well, I'm sorry. I was, I was born in an airplane. My dad had me flying a Piper Cub when I was three years old. So I mean, not flying yeah. it, but he was letting me do the controls. Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, well, you can't even fly the Gulf route above three thousand anymore without wearing yeah, an ankle bracelet. Well, um, 
I refuse to wear well, an ankle bracelet. Well, I, I listen. I, I gave up. Uh, I walked away from a perfectly successful career uh, with. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't think of any ratings that I didn't have. <laughs> And and eighteen thousand hours, and and a, and a really and a really great career and a great future. And listen, I walked away from it because even then I knew that I was in the matrix, and I knew I was always going to be tied in with the golden handcuffs if I stayed in the matrix. And. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not gonna. I'm definitely not gonna say that I'm Neo. Listen, we're not duplexing here, brother. Okay, over, <laughs> Roger. Okay, okay. And, and yeah, it, once a month. It's it's not a duplex. So, uh, you know, the thing the thing I the thing I knew is that I I had to I had to find my way. I had to I had to find the door out. Now, listen, I don't really particularly give a rat's patootie if it's a red door or a black door or a white door. The color of the door don't bother me, okay? I'm just looking for the door. So, and, and uh, I, I'm about partway through it. And uh, th- this is a, uh, this is like trying to circumnavigate a line of thunderstorms in a, uh, in a barren where I can't over, I can't climb over the top of them. And, uh, and the, and the, uh, so, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I think we're in a, I think we're, it's pretty obvious to most people that are, uh, aware of the matrix that we're in a pretty tight situation here. And it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, we got, uh, we got an, you know, the way I see this whole situation right now, to put it in an airplane analogy, is uh, uh, we've got one engine shut down and we got smoke in the cockpit, and uh, we've had to reach for our oxygen masks. Okay, so I I don't really have time to fiddle fart around with the uh, whether or not the uh, the ride's good or if um, <laughs> you know the. Uh, the, the the coffee's no good, you know. <laughs> you know I, I don't I don't I don't have time for that. And uh, uh, you know, it's here again. It's prioritizing and triaging and uh, information. There's uh, there's a fantastic number of people that have really uh, just come out with some great sure deep is. information. Uh, this uh, aim for truth. That's a powerful uh, website. I've, yeah. I almost it's, contacted him yeah. yesterday. I might get a hold of that guy, John Barnwell, and see if he wants to come on the show because yeah. those folks need to know what we know. Yeah, John. John is uh, John's great. Uh, Daniel McKibben uh, is uh, probably one of the most interesting people you've never heard of before. And uh, has some real background and some real skills, for, technologically speaking, and from an engineering point of view. And uh, and, and they're both pretty well-spoken um, individuals. You know, that's that's a funny thing about people is that uh, it's not – I think it's sort of uncommon 
in the general population to actually, while they're talking, have an understanding about how they're being heard. <laughs> and, and both those guys uh, did a really, really good job of uh, calmly communicating. You know, uh, James Corbett has a, has a great way about him. He is a gift. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, well, he's got a great voice, but he, he also has this very sort of, uh, you know, very sincere Poindexter sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, persona, you know, I, it's funny. I don't, I've actually realized, um, that over time that two people can say the exact same things and, and one person will be effective in being able to communicate it and the other one they can't even hear him you know isn't that amazing yeah how, how that uh how that works and and yeah, i i think I part of it is is that the uh the uh time. the speaker the people the audience can actually empathize uh or the speaker actually empathizes with the audience i think that's uh how that uh i think it's like works they don't know so, how they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, I heard a, I heard a, uh, a nurse instructor say that one day to a bunch of nurses in a uh, rural hospital in Iowa. I flew her up there in a charter plane, and there wasn't anything to do at twenty below zero in a in a in a rural Iowa airport. She says, "Why don't you just come along in where it's warm?" So I was sitting in the back of the room and I heard her say that and it just sort of kind of hit me right upside the head when she yep. said that. It That's a like, powerful wow, statement. A, and it's what a most, cause it's so true. Never heard it before. It was like, wow. Yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't listen to anybody because uh, most of the time I, I pretty much understood they didn't care. Yep. So, um, well, they care. They just care about but, themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they care well, all right charlie you were trying to inject something there i got to tell you with daryl's fine high fidelity headphone and your kind of crappy phone there you don't get much overriding space so you were trying to inject yeah, something I'm there on, sorry I'm, I'm, yeah i'm on the cell phone it's in my the ear mic is broke off inside it <clears throat> i uh -oh. mean i can listen on the computer but it's a minute behind yeah but anyway um, I, I I thought about it a long time ever since somehow I made you angry. I mean, it wasn't my intention. Ah, you didn't make anyway, me angry. I was thinking, well, maybe maybe you're trying to get something more than the Bill of Rights. I, no, that's all I. I no, I'll, I'll, maybe, I'm. Maybe I'm. No, you're you're not understanding that until you make that change, you don't have access to the rest of the Constitution. No, I don't care about the Constitution. It's trash. To well, me. the the bill the bill, bill of Rights is part of it, and it was voted on by Congress. So you you no. know I know you know the background. Let's no, go back over it. When they passed it's the Constitution, document it was, a, it was attached. It's one one amendment. Yeah, you it's said it. Articles one amendment. It was, it was attached. It was attached as a controlling as a controlling document. Attached was the key phrase because that makes it part of it just like attached and associated by reference with any legal document 
Come on, Charlie. Well, it's part of it. Until you get that document filed with the Secretary of State under this condition, under these circumstances, you actually do not have access to it. It's there. There's a glass ceiling. They dangle it in front of you. They bring up all these amendments, but they always rule against it unless they ha- can't without exposing the scam. That I agree. I mean, it, it all started, I think, with the, the sawed-off shotgun and then the blue laws and then the seatbelt and then the mandatory insurance and now the wear the mask. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't disagree. They use gradualism. Uh, it's backfiring in their face. That's the kind of nice thing right now. I was going to say also on our forum last night on WhatsApp, uh, I think it was Jack sent out this, and I, I was shocked that it was on YouTube, and I'll be shocked if it's up there still today, but I'm looking at it. So the chances are it is. And the title of it, and I'll put it again, we're going to have a number of links in today's show description. The title of it is Head of the Snake. Head of the Snake, hyphen, Wexler, Maxwell's, Mossad, and Mega Group Exposed. Boy, there's some damning information in that video. And some girl that was Gislaine Maxwell's uh, assistant or something for a, a number of years, and, and not intimately, but business-wise, and uh, all the stuff that she says in there, I mean, it's kind of shocking. I'll be shocked if if YouTube leaves it up very long, but you may want to go check it out, Head of the Snake, and then there's a hyphen, and it says Wexner. It's a lot of Wexner's background. She was around him a lot, in around several times even in the mansion in Ohio, and she says, he is the head of the Jewish mafia, and she goes back and talks about in New York a number of decades ago how the basically they took over the Italian mafia, and he's the head of all of it. Uh, a lot of damning stuff in that in that audio video. Very well done, too. It's about an hour long. It's over an hour long. So all this stuff's coming out. I mean, why did you why here they refuse bail on just Lane Maxwell? She's in the slam for a year. That here this weekend somebody associated with the case and Deutsche Bank has a home invasion assassination attempt on them. Uh, I mean it succeeded, succeeded it partially. Uh you know, these are interesting times. The you can see the lines of demarcation becoming clearer. You know, you used the term the other a week or a month or so ago, uh, Daryl, about the two rivers that blend. You know, the clear river and the and the muddy river, and they blend in what you get. And we're getting closer to the intersection of those two rivers by the day. The confluence, the confluence, yeah. Okay. We're going to be able and separate the sides instead of them controlling both sides as they've done so cleverly for so long. They're becoming diffused. I'm mm-hmm. afraid Justine's going to get a, a a really good like a those prisons that are are resorts. Yeah, uh, you know some and of the things. She was talking about in one incident they were around the country club. I think they're talking about the country club in South Florida. They wouldn't let Trump in. 
Okay. And that she was there with two Jews, uh, Gislaine and, and one of her buddies. And I don't remember if it was Wexner's wife or whoever it got confusing in her explanation, but she was hungry. And they said, well, you can't have any food. You're not a Jew. This is only Jewish food here. They wouldn't let her eat. She talks about their racistness and, and how they talk about everybody and all. And a lot of inside stuff on that video. I, it's really worth watching. If you can get it while it's still up, because I don't know how long it's going to be there. So, again, that's, that's part of the Jewish privileges that they uh, they reserve the right to be racist. Yep. Nobody else. That's but right. They, they, that's part of their... It's part of their Jewish privilege, and uh, and uh, as it would appear, it would be white Jewish white Jewish privilege yeah. from the standpoint that uh, now they're they're uh, shipping out all the uh, all the uh, the black uh, uh, Jewish people out of uh, Israel. That yeah, <laughs> they've decided that uh, they don't need to they don't need to use them anymore. <laughs> You know, I, I, I thought of something over the weekend. I thought it was really funny. I go, uh, isn't it funny that as they're as they're removing their mask or their mask is being removed, they're trying to put one on us. Hey, nice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's a whole uh, anti-backlash mask movement going on because none of the statutes signify how effective the mask has to be. <laughs> particular matters or anything so people are going out and making mesh masks and selling them on the net and stuff uh just as a defiant move it, uh, it, listen they one of the worst things we commented on it three or four months ago when this crap first started happening in march i said they better not coop everybody up at home with all this information on the internet and you, just as you said, Daryl, there's all kinds of people popping up with video reports and this, that, and the other and calling this out and bringing up things. And God bless Polly, pretty little old blonde Canadian Polly. And I don't know that y'all saw Sweet this Polly video. Purebred. Sweet Polly. Yeah. She's a cutie, okay? And so she's – this is this was just it's – a, it's a great example of what I've been talking about. She's on the web – Searching for a cabinet. Have y'all seen this? Wayfair. Oh, yes, Wayfair. <laughs> She's stuck at home under the COVID quarantine and needs some cabinets to put COVID supplies and stuff in. And so she doesn't want to go out and fight all of that crap to try and get it. So she goes online and she stumbles on the Wayfair website where they're selling children as cabinets. And she doesn't investigate it. She just mentions it in her video. And all of a sudden, it spawns all these people that do all this research into it and get them with their hands straight in the till. You know, very curious. She uh, missed one little lead that she stumbled on that was just as obvious as the cabinets, and that was the spirit cooking stoves that uh, these so-called chefs were going around the world. And when you understand that these were also used to transport uh, trafficked children uh, for pedophile interest and stuff, it was very clear to me that that's what they were talking about. But Polly yeah. St. George is an amazing researcher. The amazing Polly. 
not <laughs> well, not you, you, hard to look you bring at. Up some interesting. Not hard to watch. Yeah, well, yeah. If uh, it, it, Chris brought up something there with the uh, spirit cooking, so this uh, this Abramovich woman who does the uh, is the chef for the spirit cooking. You you've seen pictures of her, right? God, Maria Abramovich. She's one that yeah. is hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, well, but when you look at her, does she look like she's seventy four years old, Roger? Mm-mm. Yeah. Well. So she's 74 years old and she, she's not real attractive to begin with. Uh, not that I'm, you know, Tom Cruise either, but, uh, just making a, an observation here and she looks more like she could pass for like 45. And so when in this whole satanic ritual, ball worship, Baal worship, and the child sacrifice, part of this is in the harvesting and the extraction of adrenochrome. Now, why is this adrenochrome so desired? Why do they want it so much? Is because adrenochrome, adrenochrome, adrenochrome literally uh, forces the cells to behave younger. It literally forces the cells in your body to behave younger while they're under the influence of the adrenochrome. And this is why they actually look younger and probably feel younger. It's why a 74-year-old woman can look like she's 45. It's why you have different pictures of Hillary Clinton where she looks like she's in her 80s, and then she looks like she's in her 40s. <laughs> okay. This is real stuff. And it's the drinking of the blood. Now, now, where does this come from? Do you, do you, you remember listening, reading way back when you were children and, and the Brothers Grimm fairy tales? And they had the witches, right? And the witches were... You know, uh, all these stories about the children being kidnapped and taken and eaten or the vampires with the drinking of blood. And and what was this a relationship to? Child blood ritual sacrifice and children being stolen. Yep. All throughout European history. Yep. Well, who do you think who do you think they're talking about here? Nosferatu. Well, no, I, I'm. I, I, I want you to connect the dots here. These just these fairy tales aren't just fairy tales. The Brothers Grimm fairy tales are not just fairy tales. They're, the Grimm they're, 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 they're could be a recipe. Neither, neither was Alice. They're neither, based in the cultural experience. Yeah. Neither was Alice. Neither was Alice, and. And, and these are all these are all Babylonian, Baal, Luciferian, but the the people in Europe that were stealing the children and doing the blood sacrifice, uh, these are the same people. All right, and they were doing uh, adrenochrome was known 
back then too. Okay. And the drinking of the blood. Uh, it's a horrific topic. It's a lousy thing to have to talk about, but there's a, a, a five, 600 year old or longer historical basis upon this just in, in the, in the, uh, the culture and the fairy tales and, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the stories of, of these different cultures out of Poland, out of Romania, out of Germany, all right? It's the same people. And it all goes back to uh, uh, Baal worship and child sacrifice. So it, there's nothing new here. It's just new to your sensibilities, I guess, or, or us. No. It's kind of shocking. But uh, let me take yeah, that somewhere. There's a long history of it. Let me take that somewhere. This is on my yeah. mind for a few days. Uh, last week, for almost the whole week, Mike was with us. He's not with us today, don't unless he's it, it, Mike. You're not. You're not one of the Elevens, are you? I guess not. Uh, and then I think he was with us on Friday when Brent was there, and when Brent started getting into uh, the biblical stuff and the spiritual stuff, he left. And, and last week he was kind of confrontive, a little bit argumented about your God, the Bible's been changed. You know, you could tell he didn't have the spiritual grounding. I'm not being critical. And that's the reason I want to say this, because I'm not here to guide you to Jesus, okay? I'm here to free you. Now, if that entails you finding Jesus afterward, that's all right with me. But I'm not going to make that as a prerequisite for what we do here. And I'm trying to free you politically. You want to go get free spiritually if you don't believe in God or whatever, that's all right. Okay? I mean, I'm not going to criticize you for it. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm not going to criticize you. And I just wanted to bring that point up because I don't think Mike got that, you know. And uh, uh, But I was going to say if we'd have continued the conversation and had an opportunity at that time that, all right, well, don't call it that. You can call it nature's laws and nature's God. Okay, and because Brent really hit it on the head when he brought forth, your God is who you consider to be the ultimate lawgiver of from whom there is no appeal. Okay, so if you want to call it nature's God, that because nature certainly looks up to God. You know, I'm looking out my window. There's a bunch of leaves and stuff on on a hedge out there, and every one of those cells and every one of those leaves all over the world multiplies itself by a Fibonacci curve. You telling me something doesn't guide that and control it? Well, you can tell me that, but I don't believe it. But if you do, all right. Uh, uh, and, and the reason I do that is because of uh, my strong association when I was younger with the organization called Alcoholics Anonymous because my father was part of it for 17 years, and it changed his life. And he happened to go out, and his particular calling in those years was to go out on what they call 12-step calls. And that's the ones that have hit a bottom and are trying to make a decision. And you go out and talk to these people whose lives, in many cases, are totally in shambles. Okay, And to get that person to a point where they can quit drinking and get over that barrier to where they can explore a real life and have one, they, it, they have a lot of those people that have problems with God and spirituality too. Okay? And the way AA handles it is they said, look, if you want to believe God, is that telephone pole out there? That's okay. Let's get you drinking. Stop drinking first, and then you can reassess that as you sober up, okay, and get the effects of this demon off of you. 
But that's kind of the way I've taken here and in those circumstances. And I, I'm not here to argue God and Jesus and everything else. I'm here to show you how to get free of these demons. You can decide all that on your own. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we struggle. We struggle with a lot of things, uh, all of us individually in our personal lives and, and then our political lives and uh, trying to deal with our overlords, overseers, and overbearers. Uh, the, uh, the, <laughs> the thing of it is, is that, uh, you know, uh, a really good point made uh, by someone over the weekend is that uh, maybe it was Corbett. You cannot wake someone up who is pretending to be asleep. Correct. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, almost anybody who's actually asleep, you can shake them and rattle them. And at some point you're going to wake them up, but if they're faking it, there, there's no way you're going to get them to wake up. And, uh, uh they don't want to know the information. They just don't want to know it. And, uh, and I guess they just haven't suffered enough or they, they don't have that, that spirit in them, you know, in, in, the, in the book of James, he says, you know, you were, uh, was it James, us in the gospels, uh, yeah, you were bought with a price and, uh, you're supposed to be free and, and, uh, you've, you've been, uh, you've been put into bondage. And, uh, of course, this was done through fraud. And then you were indoctrinated that the fraud was okay because your parents hadn't discovered there was nobody around you. And uh, the contract stands. You know, I was, I was reading a book here over the weekend. It's a very tough book to read, actually. Uh, it's some very disturbing stuff in it. And it's about uh, white slavery in the uh, actually pre-colony days. Uh, late 1500s, uh, uh, before the before the pilgrims uh, uh, <laughs> even set step foot on a ship to come over here, there was a lot going on here. You know the the basic fundamental understandings of what the origins of this place are from the very beginning, or, or at least of the English beginnings, is uh, uh, pretty much unknown. I've never heard anybody talk about even allude to any of this stuff uh, prior to me reading this book called white cargo. Ooh, I've heard of that book. Anyway. Yeah. It's uh listen, I got to tell you, it's just, uh, I got through 10 chapters and it is just, it is dense in detail and in history and in names and in personal stories of, uh, you know, back with uh, Sir Walter Raleigh and uh, Gilbert Humphrey, who was Sir Walter Raleigh's half-brother, and the Irish, and Oliver Cromwell. This goes all the way back into uh, white slavery and America, back into the times of Oliver Cromwell. Now, have you ever heard anybody put those two together? America, white slavery, and Oliver Cromwell. Not those three. I've heard Hoffman put the first two together. Well, listen, the the potato famine was only the second. Uh, the so-called potato famine was only the second part of just 
unbelievable atrocities committed mm-hmm. against the Irish people mm-hmm. uh, by England under it, uh, Oliver Cromwell. And it was a template wow. for the same thing they did to him in India. Oh, my. And and uh, Oliver Cromwell's uh, number one hitman in Ireland was a guy by the name of Gilbert Humphrey, who was Sir Walter Raleigh's uh, half-brother. And he... He uh, he he murdered him on on wholesale at the drop of a hat, uh, men, women, and children, and uh, he would cut off their heads and hang them on a pike. Tens of thousands of them. The Irish. Like Darwin, like like Darwin, he said, like John Taylor Gatto said, the Irish are, are the lowest form of life. Uh, according to the according to the English at that time, yeah. Well, Sir Walter Raleigh <laughs> so, was a bandit for sure. His, the, if I remember yeah. right, the way he endeared himself to the Queen, he was this rogue guy. He got a ship, she sent him out, and he went over here on the east coast of uh, South America, where the Spanish had all of their gold they were robbing. And they were sending it back in ships, and he cornered one of those ships and stole all the gold, and that's what endeared him to the queen. She tried to say, oh, he was acting rogue to the Spanish government at the time, but uh, she had sent him out initially. That was his claim to fame, and his tobacco, his pipe tobacco. Remember the old line, do you have Sir Walt? you, yeah. Do you have Sir Walter Raleigh in a can? And the guy says, yeah. He said, well, you better let him out. You remember that one? Yeah, I, I, I remember, I remember several things about that I can't repeat. So, uh, the uh, the history is just rich and deep, and it's it's like having a, a a drawing, and and now you've been given crayons to color it in. So it's uh it's an amazing history, pre pre pilgrim history of the. Uh, Virginia Company and um, uh, Charleston and uh, the Virginia did, area and pre pre Pennsylvania. Did you listen yeah. to that video on that Aim for Truth page that we're talking about here earlier on Dean Rusk and I, I've listened to them all. Yeah, I've listened to them all. Uh, and it, a lot of the yeah. Pilgrim Society was yeah. brought up in several of those. I noticed. Dude, yeah. Yeah, the if you if you listen to the last one that's dated on the sixteenth, I think you'll particularly if if you haven't watched it yet, Roger, I think you'll particularly appreciate it because it goes into depth on on uh, uh, well, I, I guess you have listened to part of it because you you brought up uh, Bartholomew's name, but uh, the uh, one of the interesting there's several very interesting takeaways out of it. Uh, but but one of them is is that uh, I came to realize this last year with uh, Daniel McKibben's research, who, who's the guy that actually invented the uh, the uh, uh, <clears throat> software for Leader Corporation, which he was the uh, owner of. Yeah, he created this uh, social networking scalable technology back in the 90s when Clinton was around, and that's who stole it. Uh, of course, uh, Hillary Clinton is a patent attorney. 
So she's uh, a future claim to fame. Was, she's a futures yeah. trader too. Yeah. If you remember. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so the, uh, they've, they've been doing some really, uh, interesting, I don't know how they're accessing some of this information. Part of it's technology that they understand how to use it, computers and, and searching and, and whatnot. But, um, the, uh, the point I was going to make here was that the the Imperial Press Club, this thing called the Imperial Press Club that yes. was organized in 1902. And uh, it's actually the, uh, of course, this is <clears throat> consistent uh, consistent with the time timeline of the uh, the Milner Group, the, the uh, Milner's Kindergarten, as they, as they called it, which was the transition between Rhodes, Cecil Rhodes' death, the Rhodes Roundtable, uh, John Milner, and a guy by name of Stead, Steed, and uh, they were transitioning over to operational control to uh, Milner, which was Milner's kindergarten. This is in the pre-run-up for the the Federal Reserve Act, Woodrow Wilson's World uh, War One. Uh, <clears throat> World War One. They're they're laying the foundations in 1902, and over in England. Over in England, they have this uh, confab, and they invite from all over the world, like, I don't know, I, I remember the exact number. It was hundreds of the most prominent uh, publicists and uh, media newspaper people of the time, editorial people. And they have this big confab in England um, uh, under uh, the auspices of the uh, – come to find out it was the Rothschilds financed it all and uh, it's called the Imperial Press Club and uh, this is where they organize the uh, like Reuters AP this is where they put together the the networking system for what will be world media okay this is how they get their message out in uniformity and, and integrated throughout the world of course, the first meeting was in 1902, and most of the people showing up didn't know what they were there for. They were also, and it was kind of like a scouting, a scouting event. They yeah. were also starting to set up the broadcast were, industry, and they they assigned Marconi yeah. and given him credit for stealing Tesla's yeah. invention and turning it into yeah. radio. Yeah. Same time frame. Yes, Mar- Marconi. Marconi was a LARP. He's a live action role player. Okay, he 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 probably he Marconi probably truth be known Marconi compared to Tesla couldn't find his transistor from his uh, capacitor. <laughs> right now, and, and, let, and uh, so if anyway, you want, let me give him evidence of this. I'm going to give yeah. this ain't speculation. All the patents that were then in the Marconi Corporation when they died, they transferred them all to RCA. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, RCA Sarnoff. has a very interesting David, David Sarnoff. You know, he's an interesting character. Do you know any of his background, Sarnoff, outside yeah. of him being a Jew? Yeah, I do. He was a paper boy, yeah. and he was the one that grabbed the papers when the Titanic sunk and got the word out and ended up in the press and, and on to control RCA and NBC from there. His uh, his big War, saying his World big War, saying yeah. was I don't have ulcers 
I give them. <laughs> yeah. in, in World War II, he was a propaganda officer. Yeah, as well. So, uh, but the 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 one of the the big takeaways out of that whole hour, of course, all of it's good from my point of view, but was that uh, there's this impression in and even in the patriot community and uh, you know the truthers or whatever else you want to call them that. Uh, after World War II, or maybe prior to that, with yellow journalism, that the papers had been infiltrated, and the and the media and the radio and TV had all been infiltrated by the intelligence agencies, right? You know, the CIA, Mockingbird. You know, is is it was that? You think that's a generally accurate statement, Roger? No. That that the CIA CIA infiltrated them. No. I think they spawned okay. the well, CIA. Isn't, isn't that the impression? The, isn't yes. that the impression oh, most people have? Of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what what uh, McKibben reveals, and in their own documentation, this is documented, is that media post the, – the media post the Imperial Press Club in 1902 going forward created – the intelligence agencies. Intelligence agencies are a creation of the media, not the other way around. Interesting. Yeah. And mm. you got it you got it exactly 180 degrees out of sync. That's called and the, the media is a creation of the banks. That's called the dialectic. The banking interest. I think yeah. called the dialectic. The banks yeah the, the, the banking force yeah. They created the media uh, the, the media works for them, and the media created the intelligence agents, CIA, MI6, MI5. Okay, go ahead, Chris. I was going to suggest that a possible alternative pronunciation could be me, die, ah, where the gods of me kill you, or you're killed by the, media, the uh, gods of me, or I, as the case may be. This is very, very deep and stuff, and we're close to the end of the program, so I won't go on the tangents I was going to suggest. But tomorrow, hang on tight. Chris, we got 45 minutes left. That's not even approaching the end yet. Well, I think we got Cody with us. Is that you, Cody? <laughs> Somebody's got a C on there. Not Cody. It's not Cody. Who's C? I don't know. Okay. Well, me either, and they don't want to identify it's themselves. see Cody come up yeah, earlier. Yeah, it is Cody. See, oh, there I was right. Listening in cause back in Did you know that Hillary Clinton is the highest-ranking female it is Cody. in the West? I know that somebody's got a radio on the background. I think Harvey's with us. Harvey, is that you talking with a mumbling? No. Okay. Well, It's me. It's hard because it just doesn't identify people. It makes it a little more oh, difficult. Sorry. It's um, me, Robert. Hey, Robert. Well, hey, Robert. Hey, hey, Roger. Just want to know: Did you let him out? Who? Oh, Sir, Sir Walter. Walter I've smoked his. <laughs> I smoked his ass a couple of times. <laughs> but you didn't let him out, huh? I guess. You know, it's you know, it's, it's uh, Robert. It's the same one. You go to the door. Is your refrigerator running? Yeah, we better go catch it. You know that kind of stuff. 
dude. You let him know. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> You're too young to remember that one. That's some of the old fogies jokes when we were corny and young, you know. That's too much. Robert, how you doing, brother? I'm doing. You? Yeah, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, good show as usual. Well, we just try and cover the important stuff, you know, and it's I, – I, did you get to catch many of last week's shows? Um, I, some of them, yes. Yes. I, I thought last week was a, just a really good week, solid of shows, basic for good information, especially I keep tailoring this to the people that are new. Uh, but as so many people have gotten back to me with with messages, is I love those shows on the basics. You're right. I cannot hear them enough. Agreed. I agree. And I agree with that. You just can't. You know, the more you work with those basics, the easier it is for you to understand it and get your arms around it. But the real important point is that it allows you to spread it to others easier. And mm-hmm. and that's how you really can hone, you know, steel sharpen steel. You've heard that. This is how you hone those skills as you go out and try and teach it to people. And in doing so, you find out the holes that you have and you go back and brush up on them and fill them. So it increases your knowledge by doing it. You know, it's, there's an old saying in the teaching profession that if you ever want to learn something, teach it. And boy, is that true. Mm-hmm. So I saw another really good video right before the – I get so many over the weekend and so many of you are kind enough to send me stuff that I can't remember sometimes where I got it from. But this showed up. It may have been out of our forum, out of our forum, and it's called the. He's got a channel on YouTube. It's called Bards, you know, like they call Shakespeare, the Bards Mm -hmm. of War. And this guy, this 20-something-minute video I listened to immediately before the show, has got his head screwed on real solid. And uh, the, the, the thing in YouTube is it starts out e, EP81, and then there's a dash. And it says, a letter from General Flynn. And he makes a really important point on here that I hadn't heard anybody else makes. And he emphasizes that you hadn't heard anybody make it, and I agree with him. For those of you that think that Trump is in some sort of a plot to try and take over the country, name one other time when any leader of a country has tried to use a plot to take it over and continued to let people buy guns and ammunition. That's a good point. Name one. Uh, you got me there. Okay. That's a very good video. He's got some real common sense. It's very spiritually based. He comes out and and mentions that at several points, and I was very impressed with it. So the channel over on YouTube is the Bards of War. Worth listening to. What other shenanigans have been going on? I know you guys got something over your mind. We've had two, three days where we hadn't been together. Hmm. Well, any if nobody's got anything to say, I'll go back and hit what we started out the show with, and I want to thank you for sending me that uh, John Brooktree or whatever his name is. 
their collective website has got some really good information on it. Daryl, it, I literally spent from the when I you sent me that and I opened it up and started listening to one, and I spent the rest of the entire afternoon, something like six hours, listening to different ones. Oh yeah, you 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 know why you know why it's so interesting to you, Roger? You know, rhetorical question, right? But I, I would I would suggest the reason it's so. Uh, uh, captivating and interesting is because they are filling in some details and connections that other people haven't had the opportunity to find because of their research. And but what's interesting about it is as much as they know and they really get, okay, they're like really good detectives, okay? They don't get the law side of it or the legal nope, side. They don't. Okay. Which, which is why, which is why uh, I really appreciate you reaching out to them and, or, or, or doing that to, you know, have a communication with them uh, to integrate, you know, if, if we could integrate their research and uh, their abilities and leverage this legal and the lawful side of this and, incorporate that into their understanding all of a sudden remedies start appearing remedies in in behavior and you know one of the biggest things about grasping and, and getting command of this information is it it provides a remedy for your day-to-day -day behavior about how you think about things how you even perceive yourself and what you're doing and and if if you're if you're uh, creating difficulties for yourself by interacting with them, every time you sign your name, what are you doing? You're giving them your and, consent. And, uh, remember that yeah. statement from Quiet Weapons for Silent Wars, and I'd never seen it before Tom read it on here one day. Robert, could you stick your mute on? I think we're getting a look. I think we're getting a little feedback from there. Thank you. Uh, when Tom came on here one day and read that, and it said very plainly, their consent is our victory. And boy, have I come to understand and appreciate that statement. Because, uh, you know, as I think back weapons. of it, and Mike was being pretty, uh, you know, argumentative last week. What if I had to go to court and this, then, then, that, you know, in that tone. And the thing is, is that you just got to realize that you're talking two separate things. He's thinking there's one system and we know there's two. And you got to differentiate that stuff, okay, in your mind. And until you do, you ain't going to see it. I don't recall if it was actually in the Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. It may have been, but I do know that was the last page of the Treatise on Propaganda by Edwin Bernays. If we can convince them it's for their benefit, our victory is their consent. Well, this little 1577 book, really, uh, I'm anxious to get into that a little bit more uh, because they knew it a long time ago, man. Uh-huh, the lust for stuff. And all the, the some of the tidbits that they covered in that interview on Corbett last night were just so, you just see it everywhere around us. You know, he's saying that men, they don't have to go out. They don't have to go out and come force you. They just uh, get one to agree and everybody else follows. It's just like I said, that school of fish, you know, being a fisherman, there's a couple of different kinds of fish. 
that you can fish and just devastate them, okay? And the reason for it is that herd mentality. And two of them, one of them's a bluefish, and the other is what what you guys would call dolphin or my mahi or, or uh, the, they've got uh, Dorado, they've got several names. But if if you go through a school of those fish and you catch one, you just leave the first one you catch on the line and all the rest of them will follow you and they'll let you catch them down to the last fish. And then you reel the first one in, you got them all. Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to throw out uh, Paul, Paul Warburg's uh, quote too when you were talking about consent. Paul Warburg uh, states we shall have world government yes whether or not you like it by conquest or consent yep and uh this was uh, prophetic yeah this was in the 50s this was in the 50s he was in front of the senate uh, when he said that yeah yeah i guess was that the same world government that george bush and his thousand points of lights right yeah <laughs> <laughs> one in the same and, uh, well the good thing is they're the faltering same. you know and you can see their hysteria and to the lengths that they have gone to to this point i promise you they got a whole bunch much more stuff up their sleeves that's coming at us in the next 90 plus days i promise you this is the go for the yeah. gold ring. If they don't get it done now, the awareness that's publicly building, especially on them, all these Jews that are getting into the limelight with all their sexual perversions and organizations for such and for blackmail and every all the other ends that they're trying to achieve, all that stuff's coming out. Yeah. Well, you Not know, all of this it, is kind of but, a roundabout. Enough yeah. of it to titillate this is kind of people. A round, kind of a roundabout conversation uh, today, but uh, I came across a book called the uh, by Houston Smallins. What was the name of uh, it? Over the weekend here, uh, the curse of uh, the curse, of, curse Canaan. of the Canaanites. A curse, curse of Canaan, yeah. I think it's called. And. Um, and I, I came across some other rather interesting information that pertains to uh, our Lord and Savior Christ uh, when he uh, turns over the, the money changers' tables. And to, uh, of course, it's extra scriptural here because you, you can't read this in the Bible. So I, I'm, I got my fingers up and I'm qualifying it. But uh, this is in the time of Herod. And uh, he, he wasn't much into uh, the laws of Moses. <laughs> and the, the, the most infuriating, as, as I heard the information, I just offer it for what it's worth, that what was it, so much infuriating to Christ where he actually braided the whip intentionally for the purpose of whipping them and turning over their table and disrupting their commerce inside the temple was that the uh, the uh, the Jews were required to pay their head tax. So every every male was a half a shekel, and they had to pay 
they couldn't pay with the the Roman dinar or whatever it was, denarius. They had to pay with the shekel, right? As in in, in the money changing. Now, prior prior to Herod, the shekel when minted had a menorah on it. Okay, right? Seems reasonable, right? A menorah. During the time of Herod, uh, one side of the shekel had a picture of Baal. They were making making them pay their taxes with a shekel that was embossed with the image of Baal. The bull. Hey, right? And uh, this this uh, these coins have actually been uh, uh, archaeologically found, and uh, so that. That right there, you know, uh, of course it's it's not in it's not in the Bible, but the, the archaeology of it is correct. That that kind of gives it a little extra of uh, insight into the uh, what God they were worshiping, right? Baal, and uh, I, I found that I found that incredibly powerful myself when I. Now, I heard that. the coin, so it had a, on one side it had ball and the other side it had a menorah? Uh, no, I, I think on one side it had uh, like the uh, emboss of uh, the king or, you know, Herod. Uh-huh. And on the other side it had ball instead of the menorah. I see. They switched that out that way. Huh. Yeah. So it had the verse and the obverse sides. I don't know which side was which on that, but. But literally, they, you know, so when when Moses comes down from the, you know, the mountain, what's he find? Well, they're down there, worship, worship. They got a golden calf. That, the calf is Baal. Yes. Okay. Well, and, and this is what they put. They took off, under Herod, they took off the, they took off the uh, menorah and they put Baal. You might not Baal know the menorah is the eight candles on the candlestick. Yeah. Huh. So, so this is, this is very powerful. Uh, of course, if you're the son of God, this is, well, this would be the equivalent of Moses coming down off the mountain and seeing them worshiping a calf is to have Christ walk into the temple and see them exchanging money, the money of Baal. Okay. So. Uh, I don't know. I was, I was, I was impressed with the uh, Eustace Mullins. The, I, uh, I can say I had the pleasure and the opportunity of meeting him personally three or four times, hearing him speak several times, and go over his books and this information, and the kind of stuff that Daryl's bringing us right there. He was a great American. He was really one of the main patriarchs of the movement we've got today. The actual title of that book that. Uh, Daryl mentioned this curse of Canaan. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought. And I think he has history of the Jews and some other things. Oh, yeah, he was prolific, man. I mean, he but he wrote a he wrote 
He wrote books on all these major systems, you know, the uh, something of law. He had a whole thing on law system, and he went in and beat them into their courts there in D.C. He told the whole story, uh, something of justice. Uh, he did the only, to this day, the only history of the American Medical Association that's ever been written, uh, murder by injection. You can get that over on Jim Ram's site, uh, by the way, because I sent it to him to put up there to download. A very, very revealing read. Have you read that one, Daryl? Murder by Injection? No. You ought to read Murder, I have. Murder no, I by have. Injection. It's very good. Yeah. Okay. It has a lovely metallic purple. Yes, it does. Coat. It does. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, he was, uh, he was quite prolific, and I've never heard anybody disprove anything he wrote or said. Yeah. Uh, I, I downloaded the you – can, you can download the whole book, uh, the, the Curse of Canaan or uh, whatever – uh, in a PDF, um, I'll probably buy the book if I can, if I can find it. Yeah. The thing I wanted to pull, pull out, which was so important to me, uh, with the Jews in the temple, with, uh, the Pharisees making them, uh, pay the bankers, the Pharisee <laughs> bankers making them pay with bail money was, uh, well, obviously there's the bull on the back of the coin, but, uh, the 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 relationship that to uh, our money, this thing that we call money, which we know isn't money, but their Federal Reserve script, and and uh, I would tell you uh, very clearly that I fully believe that the eye on the top of that pyramid is the eye of Baal. Okay, or Osiris. That eye, it's Baal. It's Baal money. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. And 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 if you're if you're do you. If you're using that to tithe to what you you think your your church is, or you're you're doing something, you're tithing, you're tithing bail money to the 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 work of the father. Really, do you, do you think he really needs that? That I mean, you, you, don't you see the parallels here? The ones that have <laughs> taken over his houses of worship do need it. Well, yeah, yeah, but they're 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 in a state of uh, confluence. They've mixed the two systems, and now uh, what they're finding out what these what these people who have gone into contract uh, with that system is that they're not essential anymore. Now they're finding out that they're not essential, right? Isn't that what they're finding out? That's right. What did let, me, Brett, let me ask you another question. What that KGB guy yeah. said, they think they're essential until they take over and they find out when they're stick them up against the wall and shoot them, they're not as essential as they thought. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they think they're essential. And of course, this is why they do what they do. But the fact of the matter is, is we know they're not essential because there's no fruit. There's no fruit from the tree. It's not even a poisonous fruit. There just is no fruit. They're sterile. Okay, because there's no fruit. It's not even, it's not good fruit. It's not bad fruit. It's sterile. It's just like their message. It's sterile. It doesn't have any life in it. Okay, and so they're not essential. It would be better for them to be hot or cold instead of be lukewarm. Well, that's a lukewarm. They're lukewarm. And what did he say? I will spew you out of my mouth. Spit you right out. Spit you right out. Okay. And and I would say that 
if you're lukewarm is non-essentialism <laughs> you're not essential now here's another interesting word and we got chris on here and everybody else but what what is chris what's your understanding of the word indenture do you, do you have any etymology on this or have you actually spent some time with that word uh, we do we use it a lot but do you, do you have some background on that well, I, that out. having been a former yeah. union electrician and listened to the Samuel Gompers indoctrinators, a trust indenture is a self-volunteered form of servitude or slavery. Uh, it's where you work off your penance to your master that's providing you the training to give you a trade craft for your life, as best as I comprehend. There's also yeah. an element of it you could call a bond servant, I believe. Here, here. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I can't, I can't uh, parse or disagree or quibble or equivocate any of those uh, those statements. But as I was listening and reading this, I have the audio and the in the written book of this book called White Cargo, and uh, I'm going through there, and they come down to who wrote that? Who uh, wrote the it? Uh, yeah, the author. It's two authors, uh, Don Jordan and Michael Walsh. White Cargo, The Forgotten History of Britain's White Slaves in America. I, I'm telling you, it's it rocked me because I go, well, how ignorant have I been? <laughs> I had no idea. Yep. I had no idea the depth of the depravity of uh, – now listen, I'm I'm not trying to guilt by association because I just think the world of Paul, okay, and, and Chris and all them other guys over there, and and nobody's been more abused by the British than the English, <laughs> okay. But the deprav the depth of depravity of that occulted mind of the aristocrats over there, I was I was taken to a new level of degeneracy. I had I had no idea just how sick these people were. Can we overlook uh, that ancient Barra Italian or Britain it was actually the Roman post of the eastern area? Yep. Well, yeah. Until until they were until they were sent packing. Uh, so the, the thing, the thing I wanted to bring up about indenture was that I, I didn't understand is that to indent. So like, it's like with your teeth, right? Uh, the, the, you know, the root etymology of this is to indent is to bite with your teeth. Okay. Right. Makes sense now. Right. Yeah. Indent. And you you do that like taking a stick, taking a taking a uh, like like a, like a wooden dowel and biting on it. It would leave an indent, indentation of your of your teeth pattern, right? And and so that's the that was the original uh, uh, understanding of the word. It was to indent or to then cut and tear with your teeth. To you, Daryl, yep. it caused yeah. me to think of the word 
impress or impress gang right. and press gang right. is when they force an attorney on you. <laughs> an impress gang was impress was what we fought the part at least of the battle of 1812 about because they were impressing American soldiers. They'd stop the ships, sailors, I mean, and just yank them on there and say, you're an English sailor now, buddy. That's, uh, that's, uh, another term, uh, more of a street phrase would be Shanghai. They were getting Shanghai. Yep. Uh, uh, incidentally, that Shanghai and, word is very, very ancient Hebrew. It's Sha'an Jihai. And uh, that's like Shanghai, China. <laughs> it's, this stuff is right. so deep and it goes back to the Tower of Babal. All right. So it's interesting that you take, you take the original understanding the the root etymology of the word indent which is to bite and to tear and to leave a mark which then that word progresses in context and application to a contract to a bargain to a covenant uh indention is to incisor a cut or notch in the margin of anything but uh, it's question, a stamp. Was it voluntary? Was it voluntary? Let me continue. A certificate or indented certificate issued by the government of the United States at the close of the revolution for the principal or interest of the public debt, which was an indention. So let me let me get down here. Okay, so let me read this. Okay, yeah. so there's there's about ten different definitions here, but. Uh, and derivatives, but indenture is a, a writing containing a contract. Indentures are generally duplicates laid together and indented so that the two papers or parchments correspond to each other. But indenting is often neglected while the writing or the counterparts rename. So uh, the point I was trying to get at earlier was with the, the so-called indentured servants of early American continent they would they would write on a on a parchment and then they would tear the parchment in half and each each the master and the indentured servant would get one half of the contract right and and so the jagged edges and marks were always different when they tore the paper and the two had to match up like the tally okay, sticks they could, like the tally sticks like exactly like a tally stick. That's exactly what I thought of when I, when I, when I read that. <clears throat> so this caused me to, you know, do a little research on this word. Uh, so yeah, an indenture, uh, an indenture is a voluntary. Uh, but it, what was interesting, what this book brings out is that they, you know, people will talk about, oh well, yeah, the difference between the black slaves and the white slaves was that it. Uh, it was, you know, they, they only had it for a period of time and then they were free. Well, the, the point is, is only one out of five of them ever lived long enough to complete their indenture. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I like to I like to use, which is a nice way of obfuscating and, and mitigating and through minimization the by making a distinction without a difference. OK, uh, um, mortality rate. Mortality rate of the white slaves, indentured servants, if you will, was fantastically higher 
fantastically higher than than uh, the black slaves. They yeah. <laughs> they, they wasted one on these the same people. vein, Daryl, and I think Roger will appreciate it. How about the feudal oath of fealty? About, about like an indentured well, servant, same thing. There's a parallel there, yeah. I guarantee you. Now, Daryl, I wanted to ask you, uh, White Cargo, in your extensive and growing library up there, I've just about sent you some books over the weekend, by the way. All Would you like to have almost all the Blacks and Bovier's Law Dictionaries there? Sure. Uh, I'll shoot them to you. Um, the uh, Hoffman book, They Were White and They Were Slaves. Is that in your library? I mean, look, I don't... You may want... If not, you may oh, want to it. add it because he just builds on what your uh, your book that you're talking about is there. And he's got a lot of really, yeah. really incredible information like any Hoffman book you can imagine. But one of the things yeah. that stuck with me was like impress, like uh, we were talking about a minute ago. They would impress. They'd go through the streets of London with all the ruffians, these young kids of the street. They'd just start grabbing them, throwing them on ships. Now, they may have doctored up some kind of indentured indentured paperwork to shove to them, but they were kidnapped, plain and simple. Well, okay. this, yeah, this, this book goes into exquisite, exquisitely fine detail of actually naming the names of the children that were, this was actually done to in the very beginning and the, and the scurrilous uh, backroom deals and the people that made it for the purpose of, of uh, absconding with them and, and shipping them to uh, to America, it, it even names the ships that those individual children were on. I mean, it's this this incredible the detail. detail. They got the manifest of, and everything, it's, right? It, it's incredible. Um, they would you know, they'd put the white slaves, like, yeah. and, and this is the distinction. Yeah. They'd take these white Irish slaves and these English slaves. They were the ones that worked in the fields. The black slaves cost two thousand dollars a piece. They worked in the house. Well, the the interesting thing about about this is that there was there was thirty four years of white slavery before the first black foot even set foot on this ground. There's a bunch of people. Of There's a bunch of people don't yeah, want to hear that, in. buddy. There's a bunch of people don't want to hear that and, kind of damn revolutionary and, talk. And <laughs> well, I uh, listen. I'm not going to put it on Facebook. Oh, that's right. I don't. I've never <laughs> been on Facebook. But uh, Facebook, yeah, uh, yeah. But if I may, I, I'm, not saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to mitigate uh, any any. Uh, situation with uh, black slavery it's uh, odious and disgusting as it was okay it it all is it all any slavery okay. is disgusting it, voluntary or otherwise yeah there's a detail we yeah. passed over that's uh -oh. worthy and meritorious of mentioning and that is Facebook and all social media is a public space and anything you see there can and will be used against you in a court of law either today or tomorrow when they relight the law. I can't understand why anybody you know why? I don't know why anybody uses yeah. that crap myself but each to their own. Robert was trying yeah. to say something a minute ago. Yeah. And we don't want to we don't want to hurt our boy Robert out of the conversation. What do you got, bud? Oh, Real quick, 
while Daryl was talking, I took the liberty of going to Amazon to uh, check on that white cargo book written by Don Jordan and Michael Walsh. Uh, if yeah. you want to pick up a copy in paperback, you're looking at about $25, $26. Audio CD, $39.99. Hardcover, yeah. $591. <laughs> I'm guessing it's a collectible. It's a quarter well, I, of the price of a, of a share of Amazon stock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have the paperback and the uh, audio. Uh, and by the way, the guy that reads the audio book, he's English, and he he has a voice that's almost as comparable to Paul's. Not quite, did, not quite, doesn't quite have the baritone, but it's very pleasant to listen to. Did you? And catch, it only seems appropriate that an Englishman would read the, uh, do the audio book on it. Right? Did the you Englishman catch, who so. speaks English? Did you get that out of yeah. that videos that there was some kind of survey and they said the English accent is perceived to be the most truthful in the world? Did you get that, Daryl? I, I I heard that, but I, I I would I would take exception to that. Well, I I I sent it to Paul. I said, "Is that is this true?" He said, absolutely. <laughs> By the way, Paul did. He teased us a little bit this weekend and said he thought he'd be with us this Wednesday. And I said, promises, promises. So we'll see. <laughs> Your check's in the mail, Paul. Yeah. While we're uh, low on the conversation here, so to speak, uh, there was some esoteric uh, I researched, came across, and read pretty critically some time ago called the Key of Solomon. And this was supposedly Solomon's narration of how he called forth the demonic spirits to do the night shift in the building of the second temple of Solomon and called them by names and cross-examined them as given a ring, a signet, to have power over them so that he could inquire as to what the powers and influence they had over men and women actually were. Robert, could you yeah. pop your mute on again, bro? We're getting garbled when you're. Sorry, I, I fell asleep. Sorry. The, sorry. The seal of Solomon, the seal of Solomon, which is what the uh, the Canaanites try to pass off as the uh, 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 David's uh, David Star Star David. Mm -hmm. yeah. Star David. They're a wicked bunch. They, they, this bunch. I was thinking last night as I was watching that one I was telling you about with the, all the Epstein information and Wexner, the, um, the the whole background of how evil these damn people are. And, jeez, uh, it's just repulsive. I, You know, you, you, like you're talking about this book, Daryl. Hell, you get into that kind of stuff. I don't even want to read it anymore. I know it's there, but it just makes me, like you said, it drags you back into the gutter with them, you know? Another well, little, yeah. Little, go ahead. No, go ahead, Chris. Well, we're running out of time here. Go ahead. Well, another go little ahead. factoid I picked up along the way from Jerry Kirk that used to have a show uh, on Republic Broadcasting, and he's still on Republic. Uh, see, it's uh, oh gee, I should be able to tell you the name of this website where it's still at. Um, it's a, oh, I just can't think of the name of it. But anyway, what he had was that the original seal of Solomon that was on the staff that he cast down 
to do battle with Pharaoh's serpents was actually a seven-point star, not a six-point. And uh, it's just the truth has been so twisted and perverted oh, yeah. Yeah. without help from above I and the spirit of discernment written on the hearts of those that love the truth and seek and search it out diligently like they was listening here. I'm not sure if they'll ever be found and reproved here on this planet. And, of course, this is the time of the Great Awakening, so there's some evidence of it coming forth. It's happening. You can see it by all the people that are popping up and what they're talking about and their amount of perception on what's going on. These folks have got big problems, and I can see as the days go by why they're going for the gusto here because they don't have another chance. They're being exposed wholesale. And they're freaked out of it. Well, you know, I, the other day I said, yeah. when you pull Stephen Mullineux overnight off YouTube with over a million viewers, subscribers almost, and 3,700 episodes, and it's just gone of a guy that's a philosopher, they're desperate. Those are moves of desperation. Roger. Hey, Harv. Hey. Just been listening here. Uh, How's I'm your tooth? It's coming along. Okay. Uh, it very slowly getting better. Uh, but uh, I, I was glad to hear you say that you just couldn't stand to read that stuff anymore because I'm at the same point. I know what they are. I don't have to see any more evidence. I know who they are, what they are, the depravity that they've been uh, fostering. And the other thing you just said is exactly correct. These are the death throes of the deep state, the globalists. And this is an existential battle between the two sides. One's going to live and one's going to die. And we better be working to secure these elections in November. I agree with that. And, I mean, if you don't think they're in a total state of derelictness, look at the best they could run out of 15 or 20 people to get up there to run. Exactly. That's the best they I could just, come up with, folks. They wind up with yeah. this lobotomite called Biden. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's just those indications, yeah. you know. And like that guy said on the Bards of War, is there ever been a leader of a country that was participating in the overthrow that let the people continue to buy guns and ammunition and weapons? Yeah, boy, that was a great little. I haven't quite found. I got two or three more minutes to go on that, but uh, that's a boy, good video, isn't it? The Bards of War. Yeah, great presentation. I was I was really impressed. That's why I shot it to you this morning. We'll put it up at the end of the show description. There's going to be a number of them. I hope I get them all up there and remember the ones I'm supposed to put up. But there's a lot of good information. I for sure will put the one that Daryl turned us on to. There is a ton of good information on that page. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I for the most part, I vetted these guys from, from my perspective anyway. And uh, I've been watching them for two or three years off and on, this and that. And uh, they're they're credible from from my point of view. I, I just wanted to caution you, Roger, on how you how you employ and use that word derelict. Okay, <laughs> just be careful with that, would you? 
I will. I'll try and be very cautious <laughs> that I don't get t- tongue tied when I'm saying. Uh, I, do what now? <laughs> that was Robert again trying to get Robert. How's it? Isn't it spelled differently? <laughs> you think some of these idiots out there know how to spell? That's a good point. You got me there. Well, there's our whistler. I got you here, too. Uh, thanks, guys. Good discussion today. I didn't know where it was going to go. There's a lot of things to talk about, all kinds of stuff happening, all kinds of revelations being put in front of us. We'll see how many of them we can snag in the next 22 hours to talk about tomorrow. Uh, but uh, sure do thank all of you. Hope you got something out of it. And uh, don't forget... Uh, the inimitable Jim Ram is next, and I imagine if you want to stay in the forum here, you can just transition over with Jim. I'm sure you'll have John and Kathy on, and we'll see what happens between now and tomorrow, folks. Yep. So thanks. I just remember Get the white cargo out in Ubonics, and we got it made. Hmm. Yep. White they, cargo. Just remember, they don't need your. They don't need shackles when you use their shackles. Yes. Remember. <laughs> remember, remember, we're dictated to come out of her, my people. Come out of her twice. Yes, twice he says it. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs>